This is uh, Two Teachers Talking to Tony Silva and Charles Wiz. And this is episode 34, and we're talking about uh, teaching and uh, teaching English in Japan specifically. And uh, today we're going to be talking about teaching English. Um, really? What yeah, 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 yeah. Surprise, surprise. We're going to be right on topic. We're not talking about travel. We're not talking about uh, fun electronic toys. We're talking about teaching English and kind of thinking about, well, uh, does it matter? Um, we, you know, we think about, you know, obviously there are jobs. We see the whole universe from our own perspective. And of course, damn it, uh, this is the most important thing in the world. But step back. Uh, does it matter? Um, are we deluding ourselves? Is it, our jobs is, is teaching English in Japan. Does it make a difference to anybody? Well, it makes a difference to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking in terms of your paycheck i think but, okay you know it's it's funny tony because i do know people who believe that it's the most important thing in the world and i think everybody knows those kinds of teachers mm. and i've always felt like i'm sorry but i really don't think our work is more important than like cancer research or brain surgeons mm-hmm. you know so it's a it's an interesting thing, but it's, it's, a, a, it's a joke that I share with my students. Actually, at the you tell a joke. I tell a joke because you it's tell a, a joke I, in class. I tell a joke in I class on the first day, that. so I can separate the wheat from the chaff. I can I see what their that. level of understanding is, and uh, what I I tell them. I says, "Yeah, listen, I'm I got, I'm going to share a secret with you. Um, I'm an English teacher. This is my job. <laughs> I do it all. I've been doing it for twenty some years. I'm doing this, and this, but you know what?" I know English isn't the most important thing in the world. And he, some kids laughed. Okay, those are the kids. Okay, now I understand. You you understand what I'm saying? There's other kids who are like staring at the wall. It's like, okay, this is the, these are the people that need some work. But uh, yeah, I start off every year that way. Okay, so it's really not a joke you're using as a diagnostic. So you're truly not trying to be funny. Well, okay, funny. Okay, my world has not been turned over. That's all. My world has not been turned over. Right. I think you and I like to rag each other about the fact that even though I think we're both probably pretty funny in class, neither one of us can believe that the other person truly is, <laughs> <laughs> even though we laugh a lot. But it's a, OK. So getting down to the real question is how important is it really important? You know, what's the importance of English, especially in Japan? And I think you and I have very similar opinions on this with some slight um, disagreements. Yeah, me. Yeah, and me, yeah, maybe some disagreements, especially I think when when uh, you throw Japan into the recipe, I think maybe that can be a little bit of a different thing. Uh, and like in, in the interest of like stepping back, I think one of the reasons that if I step talking, back, I'd fall over. Yeah, don't fall. Don't step. Yeah, <laughs> one, yeah more step, you, one more step. One more step. step one more step. One more step. Looking good. Yeah, one more step. Three uh, students? No, no, no. That was uh, Laurel and Hardy, right? A number of a number of visual great gags. Ones, right. On the, or just on the they, when you take yeah, the, the picture, cliff, right? Right. Yeah, you're taking the a cliff, picture on the, the cliff. Picture, yeah. Just take one step back. Just one more, right? Okay. Which actually kind of is how I feel what's happening with my life, but that's okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, one step forward, two steps back. Mm. But uh, this, uh, we were talking about in the last week or two or three. Um, there was a, an article in the Atlantic which was taking it totally out of our realm, right? And really inverting things. And it was actually a little bit disorienting trying to even to read the article because the perspective was so different. And this was an American. American in Paris. In American in Paris, <laughs> studying French uh, at in a language institute with people from all over the world. And um, 
the the double whammy or triple whammy that he was going through with that experience and for us teaching english in japan reading something written by someone studying another a, a native english speaker speaking learning another language in another country was a really kind of a multiple flip over and multi-level brain adjustment that it took but it was um it's actually very interesting to when he shared when he shared the comments of some of his fellow students regarding language study and um, English specifically, like in its place in the world, and kind of inverted, kind of what Charles and I, being you know, Americans, um, our thoughts about you know, and, and which was shared by this 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 writer of this article. It's like, well, this kind of a guilt or a shame kind of thing about how. Americans specifically, but uh, I think I'm going to drag the Canadians down because they do the French as well. But eh? um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's also but that, a, I, yeah that in a, you know, it's like we don't we don't you know kind of feel especially for us living abroad we feel bad that foreign language is so downplayed in the United States because we kind of under, obviously living abroad understand the various levels of importance of learning a second language or a third language or a fourth language um, and. Uh, f- like this author felt bad uh, about being an American who who don't uh, study foreign languages, and it, the reaction of the other students I thought was really funny. It's like, well, you're an American. Why the hell would you want need to study another language? Right. Everybody speak English. What are you talking about? Why you think it's important for Americans to learn another language? You already speak English. Why would you need another language? Which is like. I'm I'm used to hearing what I consider ignorant Americans utter that kind of sentiment, but it was very strange to hear it coming from the other side, because um, all these people. I bet you all these people speak their are native business, language, but then they speak people. They're business and they speak <laughs> English, and then they're learned. Then now they're learning French, and that. that but in by the itself, article, it's a really different world. It's a different perspective, right? But in that article, I think it also mentions that most of the people were doing it because to, you know, for for work related or job related um, issues, I think. Probably. I don't think these were necessarily college students or younger people. But I think if I remember correctly, that was mentioned. Probably, probably mostly business people. But okay. you're only in school for a short portion, short portion of your life. And most of your life is going to be work, business um, and I don't know, you, know, you can, and then it's getting harder and harder to draw the line between those two things. We talked about the last show with the travel episode and, and my particular problem, but Hey, by the way, is this podcast work or play? Good <laughs> That's question. a good question. Well, there's no money involved. So, so if you'd like to change that, all the <laughs> listeners out there so that we could claim that we're working when we do this podcast, but donations are welcome. <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should put a little donation thing on the website. We I've seen that, you know, where, you, you know, people can like do a, a monthly little donation with their yeah, credit card. Keep talk about delusional. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering whether or not my, you know, we'll get a thing from, yeah, uh, right. from Visa yeah, here's saying, a buck. we do not accept three cent donations. <laughs> oh. Okay. So. There is a perspective of English, why would you need it, just on a practical purpose as a lingua franca. Um, and I can understand that. But I think both of us would also say that as America, as expatriate Americans, uh-huh. there is a big difference when you start using another language or even struggling with the language. For example, Japanese is just a painful language for me. 
and I've really struggled with it. Well, for most people learning it, it's 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 it's, it's among for Western native native speakers of Western languages, Japanese, Chinese, um, Korean are are among the most difficult languages. I to hear learn. Czech is also very difficult. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying I've struggled with it quite a bit. I think more than a lot of other people. For some reason, it's um, it's I've had a hard time with it. You know, I have to hear a word so many times to remember it. But that might be age, I think. Mm. But, however, and it's not just, and it's not just words, right? I mean, it, it it's it's all very very culturally loaded because, yeah, basic communication versus actual fluency and being able to speak well and properly, that's mm-hmm. a huge mountain. Yeah, because it's so different. communicative competence is just mm. it's such a the the competency here is so right counterintuitive to mm. what we understand as Americans. Mm. But there is, of course, there's the value of learning language. But I think what when asked and confronted with this, right? What's what reason should a eighteen to twenty two year old college student learn? Why should they learn English when there is translation software available? And most of their communication is not going to be spoken, right? Most of it's going to right. be text. There's a lot of you, tools. Do you, want, do you want to go with this first as a practical thing, or do you want to go for more? For, do you want to talk first about the uh, the foreign language study? Benefits. I would like to talk about this on an esoteric level. <laughs> I would never want to get practical because practical. Well, you means want to I start with the practical? Everything. Let's let's start with practical, right? Okay, let's start. Because you were talking about kind of, yeah, whether it it's me, oral yeah. communication, whether it's reading or, or written, okay. um, and I think, those kinds of things. Yeah, I've talked about this before, that I think that we have to reemphasize reading and writing again. Um, I think that most students are going to spend have much, much more opportunities, if you want to call them opportunities, or they're going to need to send emails or they're going to have to post on SNS. SNS sites. I can't even say that. SNS. Not enough coffee this morning. Mm. Um, that That is going to be a much more actual experience for them than actually speaking one-on-one to someone overseas if they're working in a company. Yeah, I don't – and I'm not sure that it, it even makes sense to – distinguish between the different skills whether it's listening speaking reading or writing i i would i would argue that they're all equally important and you know equally you might want to like argue like 10 percent or 15 percent one way or the other for each of the others but i think they're all part and parcel of the same thing uh it, it linguistic competence it bleeds over and there are some things that are specific writing skills or a certain Oral communicative skills, but I think in terms of the level of most of our students, I think it just hit them with everything. I don't, I don't know that it makes sense to exclude or emphasize one over the other. They need it all. Okay, I well, think. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That goes back to we've talked about this a little bit about presentations classes. Sure. When students go up and they have to give a presentation to 35 other students in the class. And the reality of it is, is that most people in their lives never talk to 35 people unless I think they're like at a wedding and they're doing a toast. Wedding toasts, um, condo associations, uh, PTA, um, yeah, but actual on-the-job type of things. Those but on-the-job, I don't think you're talking to 35 people. I think you're talking to groups of eight or ten maybe. 
But it's the point I'm trying to make is that mm. I think that it makes a lot more sense to, in a presentation class, for example, to have students present to 10 other students or eight other students or to present as part of a team presenting on a topic. Mm. But what I'm trying to say is that when I spent some time working at a Japanese company that was in a, um, a subsidiary of a German company, so it's, act so it's actually a German company, this Japanese subsidiary of a German company, most of the people were sending emails back to Germany and were reading and writing emails. But of the people in the company who were sending the emails, 90% of them really never ended up having to really speak to a German person. So I think that there was an interesting eye-opener for me that their reading and writing skills were far more um, useful to them than speaking and listening skills. Hmm. But, I mean, as a teacher, though, I want to teach all of them. Because yeah, and, and I, would, I would argue that you know, the actual the, the nature of communication changing so much, you talk about SNS and emails and so forth, well... We talked very early on, I think it was about a year ago, about uh, teaching academic writing. You know, what was, was that? Did that make sense anymore or not? Um, writing skills. I mean, the different kinds of writing that uh, very often the kinds of email that you're just talking about. Um, things like, for example, email or, for example, on Facebook or whatever intranet kind of thing that the company has up. Those That kind of communication, digital written and read becomes much more conversational with this media and it's not you're not writing paragraphs you're you're very often just going back and forth and kind of it's for us when when we do it in our native language it's built on the model of conversation kind of but it's a new thing all by itself so for someone learning to do that in English as a foreign language, it all kind of, for me, it kind of kind of blends together. It's it's not a, it's not a writing class. It's not oral communication, but it's something else. We don't we don't teach this, of course, but that I think it kind of supports my like view of like just give it all, and then you can pull out what you need for whatever particular situation you're in whether you're in the bakery or whether you're sending a, a Skype message or, I mean, a, a Twitter message or on um, uh, Facebook, whatever it might be, or email. Um, and, you know, technology changing so much that right now it is typed and read, but when everyone's sitting in the, mo in the meeting with their Google Glass, is it still going to be typed and read or is it going to be listened to and spoken it's i i don't know it's again we talk about we, we also talked in the past about talking teaching for the future yeah wearables Where, and, and, how, and how much of the translations would be done on the way by a machine right it's going to be oh it's going to be <laughs> in, so, online yeah. in real-time translation you're going to be at google gas and you're not even going to be talking looking at the person while you're talking to them you're just going to be reading it right but and so and and getting down to the to the practical aspect of it, yes, yeah, okay, there's going to be translation that. But um, to you know, Mister Elephant in the room, uh, as you know, was mentioned in that um, that Atlantic article, which we'll, uh, we'll put a link on the uh, on the web page. Um, English is the lingua franca. Sorry, 
That is not um, Anglo hegemony. It is not cultural elitism. It's it's pretty much a fact. Um, English is the lingua franca. Without English, you are North Korea. Do you want to elaborate on that? Um, yeah. Um, it's the it is the go to language as these kids as these people in this class in Paris know very well. It's like well. If you're going to learn another language, it's got to be English because that is the language that people fall back to. Yes, and you can make an argument for all the different kinds of Englishes, uh, but English is the go-to language. Everyone talks about um, China, and everybody talks about its increasing role in the world. Yes, very, very true. And I remember in the 80s when I was in a Japanese classroom how in the 21st century, no one's going to be studying English anymore because everyone's going to be studying Japanese. Um, for the for I think for anyone who's in um, high school or in a university today, I don't see a reason why not to study English if you're going to be doing any kind of work or life outside of your own tiny tiny little hamlet in this small, small island. Well, if people had been living in the late 19th century and early 20th century, in science, the lingua franca was German. Mm. All the articles were, or not all, I'm not going to say that, but many articles were written in German, science articles. And now Mm. most articles, or I don't know, I should really be able to back this up, but I'll just say that I think that a large majority of articles in science and technology that are published in academic journals, for example, are written in English. And if, and, they're, written in, and if they're written in a native language, whether it's French or German, the next language that it's translated into is English. Right. Or you have articles in a language with an English abstract. Sure. Right. Which um, I always find kind of interesting. But So, I mean, if you if you've got a specific reason, so for example, if you know that you're going to like, for example, that yeah, your uncle, your father has factories in China, and you're going to be joining this company, you're going to be doing business with China. Well, then, obviously, for you, Chinese is more important. If you got your father's factories in Russia, obviously, learning Russian is more important than learning English. For unless you've got some specific reason to go another way, I don't see an argument for. Not learning English. I just don't. Well, I think that English, right, it is the lingua franca. And that often if two people whose first language is not English will use English as the language to communicate. So I don't see that there's a problem in a practical level, right? Whether it's for reading, writing, speaking, or listening, and um, which one should be taught or that we should teach all of them. So the pr- uh, okay, good. What? I'm bringing out my uh, my uh, liberal education goat right now. So <laughs> he's here on a, on a on a rope, and he's here to support me. <laughs> Keep him on the rope for right now. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, he's on the rope. He's he's tied right, up. Right, right. Because uh, I think we're both you know liberal arts made backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So of course, there's the whole idea that s- frightening as it seems to most people right now that education is a goal in itself. And that it, being educated and learning <laughs> doesn't have to have a practical purpose. Well, it's, it's, it's exactly. It's education, not 
training. Exactly. And they're, they're significantly different. Well put. But this whole idea, for example, that if it's not practical, if it's not relevant, then you shouldn't teach it is kind of like, uh, excuse me, but there's a joy in learning, number one. Mm-hmm. Right? There's just the joy of learning. Um, um, and number two is that by learning and being educated, you learn how to think in the world. And I remember when I was, um, I guess, finishing up my college education, which took me forever, and I was interviewing for a job, and I was doing pretty well in the interview, and it was a company of about 50, 60 people. And then they said, okay, the president wants to talk to you. So the president comes into the interview, sits down, looks at my resume and says, you're an English major. You're totally useless in our company. Why should we hire anybody who's an English major? And I just looked at the person and said, I've been taught how to think. I've been taught how to look at things and learn to understand them. And if I don't know something, I know how to learn. And I know how to balance information, judge information, and you know, connect the dots. And he goes, okay, you're hired. Cool. <laughs> so he got it. But yeah. There, yeah. Is, there is that point that first that's separate from the language learning, which is just the act of learning. Something, anything has yeah. value. Yeah. Just in itself and stop, you know, it's like if you want to do basket weaving, it doesn't have to have a reason. Or if you want to learn film photography, for example, it doesn't have to have a practical purpose. And I think that's the biggest fault is that everything has to have some practical. Yeah, that's a universal bugaboo right now. Well, it's a universal bugaboo in universities, which usually had not done that. And this is going to tie back a little bit to your. North Korea. Well, that was a big point of criticism, right? The, the, the ocean of the ivory tower, this this uh, center of impractical, uh, abstract thought that has no use and no use, no utility, and therefore no value. Right. Utility. Mm. That's the key, isn't it? How you define utility. Now, utility is a really interesting word. Very, very different from productivity or profitability. And I think that... Or value. Well, value, right. Value is different, right? Right. (laughs) Value is different from money. (laughs) Right. And I think that this misuse, this conflation of utility, profitability... Um, usefulness, practicality is all wrong. Yeah. Oh, sure you do. As of course. Do I. Of course. So, yeah, so. right. You know, so, and put so that guy just, back on the ropes, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, with a, with a liberal, you know, that whole notion of education versus training things. Um, but to bring it even closer, even farther back in to not, not specifically English, but uh, with foreign language education, um, one of my old nemeses from uh, from undergraduate school um cardinal john henry newman oh, but bless his soul uh, but a champion of the other liberal arts education had you know a quote from him regarding specifically study of foreign language it was just part of a paragraph we talked about all the other impractical things that people study whether geometry science and and so forth and so on, which which i'm never going to use in my life um but in terms of the, as you said, you as an English major, you learn to think. The kind of mental discipline that comes from learning a, a foreign language, and this, this is just his, his sentence right here, 
and, it, and it, it's a good one. Right? Consider, for instance, what a discipline in accuracy of thought it is to have to construe a foreign language into your own. What a still severer and more improving exercise it is to translate from your own into a foreign language. Which kind of, I'm just going to riff on this a little bit because this is where I was going to go with um, the other part of being, let's say, a lit major. Yeah. Is that people would say, what's the value of reading novels, Mm. for example, reading short stories, reading poetry, or, you know, even people who talk about history. And I just say, because how else do I get into someone else's head in any better way? How else do I increase my empathy? And I think that's what Cardinal Newman is talking about, in a sense, right? Yeah, not, not, only, the, not, only, not empathy, only but the, also so. the self-knowledge, right? It's like when you're learning a foreign language, you're not learning only the foreign language. You are learning your own language. You are going beyond your just day-to-day thing, and you are actually confronting your going beyond language to your thoughts. Exactly. And, and that accuracy is like, okay, so you actually have to stop and think, okay, what is it that I mean? You know, we're so or, used to thinking and speaking in our own, for, our own languages. When you've got to do it in a second language, you've got to think about not only how do I say this in Czechoslovakian or in Russian, but you have to think about what the hell is it that I actually mean? What am I saying? I, I know how to say this in my language, but that's the language. What about the thought? And how do I mean? Yeah. For example, it's... the best example, I think, is in English. I'd say, in my opinion, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> or I think that, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And then in Japanese, where does the I think or I believe come? Uh... At the end of the sentence. Right? Nantoku nantaka to moimasu. So what difference does that make? What does that indicate when you indicate at the beginning that an opinion is coming or that it's not. How does that change the communication? Why am I doing this? How am I doing this? And I think those kinds of things are also incredibly important. But oh, it's huge. I, but I do think, I do want to go back to the empathy thing for just a second because oh, I think yeah, yeah, sure. the self-knowledge is is, is really important. I mean, and especially and as, it gets dismissed, but yes, as a lit major, for cute. example, it's as big. a lit major, right. I remember just how every, what I was reading was tying into my life, you know, the search for meaning, the search for truth. And we could go back to how I think maybe undergraduate years have changed, but the idea of getting outside my own head and having to understand what's happening inside someone else's head. If there's anything I, I, think that has led to problems in the world is I think there's a decrease in empathy with people. Sure. Less patience, you know, not understanding why somebody would take a certain stand. We're not interested in understanding the reasons. We just look superficially at arguments. So the idea of um, increasing people's empathy alone, (laughs) the ability to understand another side of, you know, an issue is just invaluable. It's invaluable. And especially, again, in Japan, where there's not the multicultural kind of constant interaction between people coming from different perspectives. Our students aren't going to get that as much as, let's say, students in the United States would. 
Yeah, and it's it's that's a very interesting point because within Japanese society and Japanese culture, that that empathy, that that ability to read the air, that uh, is so important culturally and in societally. Right, it's really critical. But there's a complete breakdown in tra- in transferring that to c- communication or interaction in foreign languages. It's somehow co-opted as kind of a Japanese thing without an understanding that the same kind of thing happens in any kind of human interaction or communication. Uh, and you know, it, it's in a subconscious and it's part of everyone's awareness and they, they do it in Japanese, but never in their English classes have they been, um, has anyone suggested to them that, well, that this is also a part of English or French or German or Russian or whatever language you're studying is that, yeah, there's all these other little things that go on and it's similar, yet the tools are very, very different. And you talk about literature getting into someone's head and that empathy. Yes, that expansion of perspective and when you're learning a foreign language and suddenly words and concepts slice the universe in different ways where the word that you know in Japanese does not exactly fit this word in Russian or in Italian or in English. And you have to go back and think about, okay, this is the Japanese word, but what does it mean really? And how can I redistribute that meaning into this other language and communicate it in a way so that it makes sense to the other person. Um, that kind of experience, I mean, it's invaluable. It, it, it's not only does it teach you about what the other person thinks or feels or what, when you get, when you have input and, and you're befuddled by what it might be. It's like, okay, what is it that that person might mean by that? And what are they, where are they coming from? What is it? What are their feelings? What are their thoughts? And how does that, transpose onto my mental map of Japanese language and consciousness and what is the correlative that's happening there. That kind of exercise is is incredibly valuable. I mean, just mentally making somebody grow. Uh, why, would you, why would you not do that? Why would you not want that? Mm. I think the idea of mental map, though, mm. that you mentioned is incredibly valuable. Because that's what languages do. They help us not only map out other people and other cultures, but that once you start learning another language, you're able to map out your own mind, as you right. pointed out, as well as your culture's map. And and then as well as the others, and then realize that everybody's got walking around with their own maps in their head and it's like, well, look, this is why we're this is why we're disagreeing, because yeah, well we're look we're working from different maps. And if we never study the other language and never aware of the other maps, we just assume that our map is a picture of real of the reality as it is okay. uh, without understanding, you know, again, that empathy thing that you're talking about understanding that, well, yeah, maybe not everybody shares this map. Well, a great example of that, I think is um, there's some Aboriginal people in Australia 
Um, I think they're called something like the Goo Goo Yimithir people. And they don't have right, left, front, back. Mm-hmm. You've heard about this, right? Where they always say it's to the right, or no, it's to the east, to the west, northwest, northeast. They will never use right, left. So something is to the northeast. And it's interesting because that means that their sense of placement in the world, where objects lie or where things are in the world, has nothing to do with their self. It's not self-reflexive, right? It takes the self out of it. It takes the self out of it, which is kind of interesting. But think about the fact that no matter what, you are always aware of direction, where north or south is. Or where right, North right. is at as, all, a, as an objective reality outside yourself, exactly. independent of you. Right. you yeah, and, whereas or we, him or right. her, and that's why it's always fun to teach students. You know, show me the right wall, show me the left wall when we're teaching directions. <laughs> right? and we get into the self-reflexive problem that the way we talk about things are based on self. Right, and again, what an incredible insight into the mind into someone else's mind. But as you point out, thinking about it, kind of going, wow, what an interesting thing. I view the world. I use directions that are based on me. Now, how right. would it be different if instead I said, Tony, it's on the left. And that always meant that it's your left. Mm-hmm. You know, would it change my, my way of interacting in the world? Would it change my view? I don't know the answers to those questions, but what I do know is that raising of the question moves me forward a little bit, makes me more sure. understanding of the world. It's huge. Makes me yeah, yeah, exactly. It's education. It's, right? it's, exactly. It doesn't have to have a practical value. But it, but it will. We can, and you can argue that later on. But yeah, but it, but it will. Uh, because, as you said, that ability to think. Right. That's the basis of liberal arts education. Is that right. it doesn't in, appear to have any inherent practicality. Right. But in reality, it really does. And the loss of a. What's the best definition of a liberal arts education? Is a one that is grounded in the humanities. Mm. Right, as well as in the sciences, I think that without that wide ranging view, you can't. You know, it's really hard to know how to act in the world. Yeah, all those kind of things they te- they teach you to think in a different way. You know, when you have to, um, for example, like when your first time you confronted with geometry, right? And you you the, the the simplest proofs, well, you knew the quote unquote answer, but ha- actually having to learn the importance of showing the steps step by step a different way of thinking the scientific method same kind of thing we use like well yeah we we live in a world where gravity seems to be a thing and we know that if i let go of this it's going to fall down but actually doing an experiment where you prove it that's another way of thinking and going back to foreign language um um, you know we talk i think which is has proven to be apocryphal but the the hopis in time um, but to bring it really home back to, to you and me in Japan, remember when you were studying Japanese or way, way early on and the mental gymnastic that you had to go through when you re- realized that the language changed depending on the rank of the person that you were speaking to and that you use different words for people inside your group or outside your group and that that whole notion of how you expect like I, all the different words there are for I and when you would use them and when you don't use them and when you use kind of a third person kind of thing. 
um, you don't say I'm. You don't say that I'm hot. You say hot. <laughs> the, you know, the, the 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 subject is gone, and that that all what all those kind of things mean in terms of that mental map. Fascinating practical application. <laughs> only well, you only can, you if can you're maybe in the not make a fool out of yourself sometimes, or, but or do what I do um, and just stay at the formal level all the time. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 a good point, Tony, because I've been in you know meetings where I've heard the interchange between you know an exchange between groups of professors and how sometimes they'll use sensei to each other and then it changes to san. Uh-huh. And then sensei again, and mm. you know you're not sure what's going on mm. and why they're doing that. And again, just the fact that it forces you to look into it, it forces you to ask somebody what's going on. Yeah, what is be- what is really being said? Right, is just what's again be- what's, be- what's being communicated. So I think we're both agreeing that no matter what anyone says about whether or not the language is useful or not. Uh, there is the act of learning, which has value. Of course, this was always the argument about learning Latin. Right? Yeah, is that sure. You're never going to use it, except when you're reading really yeah, old Because no text. one speaks Latin. Nobody speaks Latin. <laughs> um, but the act of learning Latin as a discipline in thinking, in the same way that whether or not you're going to be a scientist or you're going to work in the scientific field, learning the scientific method is necessary to understand that you have to create a hypothesis when you're looking at the world trying to understand the world you have to test it out and that you have to be able to replicate the results that's an incredibly valuable way of working and existing in the world and if i'm going to make any kind of comment about the major lack in one of the subjects that should be taught that's not being taught in education is statistics. Statistical mm. thinking oh, is really, really important because and so rarely understood and practical. Sorry, so there's, practical. There's, it's like when I talk Christ. to people and they go out and they buy um, you know fifty lottery tickets, and I just think okay, and then there's all there's the. I always like try to incorporate some critical thinking in my classes. So I ask, okay, big lottery is coming up. You can win something like, you know, you know, $500 million. How many lottery tickets should you buy? And of course, you know, the only correct answer is one, right? Because the difference between zero and one is so great. But after you buy one, the diff, you know, your odds of winning between one and 50 doesn't really make a difference. And the ability to think through things carefully um, and this, yeah, um, there's that very good logically. book. By the way, a good book, recommended book, is by um, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Sure, sure. I just bought it for my brother. For oh, birthday. have you read it? No. Oh, before you give it to your brother. I don't have time to read a book. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He's got claim it. to be so it. busy. Claim. Oh, that's right. Amazon, delivered directly, there right? There you go. Um, and he talks a lot about how our brains are put together and how it seems that we have two different kinds of systems that react differently but i think again that learning a language in many ways is like learning statistics it helps you navigate in the world and once you've learned the one language it's introduced you to a lot of the concepts that you've talked about and i think that's valuable 
Yeah, um, the statistics is a is a great one because it's it's so the statistics are so universally almost misunderstood, and uh, I it's, I use it to great advantage because you know you you, you just you could you can lie so well. <laughs> it's just no one because no one gets it. You you know you you just bleh, it's just so easy. Give an example, please. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You were hoping I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, I really was you hoping knew, you knew that once that. you said it that I would ask that. But I just don't want to give away my secrets. Oh, good recovery. <laughs> good recovery. Okay, so there's the uh, – it's in the question. You walk up to someone and you say, okay, I've just been given $1,000 by someone. But to keep the money, I have to give some part of the $1,000 away to you. And I can choose how much to give you, but if you don't accept my offer, I don't get the money. You know this one, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And you ask people, okay, so I get, you know, a thousand dollars, and I give you ten dollars. Do you accept the offer? And it's amazing that pretty much fifty percent of my students, even in engineering or economics, will immediately just refuse the offer. Mm-hmm. And of course, the right... No, they don't trust you. Well, they don't believe <laughs> Gee, why would that happen? Do you trust me? I don't know. I don't even want to go down I, w- I would say no, too. It's like, because, uh, yeah. There was a scam. No, it, looks, scam it, sounds like, it sounds like it makes sense, uh, but I don't so trust this guy. <laughs> you're just saying that because I was born in New York, right? But anyway, um, <laughs> the correct answer is, of course, yes, I'll take the money, because why would you say no to free money? Right. But by the way, that just reminded me of something that might be helpful just in terms of how learning a language is really helpful. I grew up, I was born in New York, but I grew up in California. So I think I was about 20 years old and I'd been hitchhiking around the United States. And I remember I was in the New York subway and I needed change. And I said to somebody, I said, excuse me, do you have change for a $10 bill? And the guy looked at me and he said, show me the 10 first. Which was <laughs> something I had never heard in California, right? <laughs> So the fact that, okay, things like statistics, of course, are helpful. The scientific method is unbelievably helpful, right? Mm. Language learning is right up there. And these are simply ways to help us navigate the world. And especially, again, kind of pulling it back into a smaller frame of reference with Japan. At the end of the semester, at the end of every class, I give my last class lecture. I think many teachers do. And the thing I always tell them is, look, you've got to travel. You've got to travel. Yeah, there's no substitute for that. Right. And I, I make a difference between – there's a difference between being a tourist and being a traveler, right? That traveling is when you're going for an extended period of time and you're immersing yourself and you're on the road and you're getting into the cultures. And I say the most important thing is that you know, you can't go to – America, like, you know, my students come back and they go, how was America? And they say, there were so many gaijin there. And <laughs> you have to <laughs> And I always say to the students, I say, you have So what do they mean? What do they actually mean? What I'm trying to say. You mean non-whites? No, 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 no. I have to say to them as I say, you're, no, no, no. When you go to America. <laughs> you're the gaijin. You are the gaijin. <laughs> and, you know, their eyes kind of get big. Yeah, yeah, sure. That, that word in yeah. Japanese, it's like, okay, it means foreigner. But. Foreigner only is 
they can't see they they never China think about it outside of from their own perspective outside of the fact of Japan that yeah. they're like oh look at all the gaijin and you're trying to say no 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 when you're in America or Europe you're the gaijin so when they said gaijin they they didn't mean non-japanese but did they mean like non-white no, I'm curious. Like, what, what do they mean? They, they're non-Japanese, right? Because you know that when you turn to your students and you tell them, if you go overseas, you are the gaijin. Oh no, I say all the time, right? And they're surprised by that. You see their eyes kind of yeah, sure. wide. And, yeah, yeah. They, it's like hmm? right and, <laughs> because of the word. Okay, but in the same way, with Americans, right? Since we're both American, not learning a foreign language is the same thing. People yeah, exactly. Don't yeah, really, understand yeah, that really, there's really. a different way, and I think there's some frightening statistic. I have to. Yeah, it's just a cultural you know, centric, ethnocentric kind of thinking way of looking at the world. Yeah, it's really very interesting. Right, but how many Americans don't have a passport? It's a really, really high number. Yeah, it's and yeah, and, and geography is a huge factor. But yeah, it's it's yeah, no question. It's a it's a. It's a big thing in defining the society and the culture about its size and its in in, in a way its insularity, but in not in others. But um, there are so many people there that uh, their map, their map of the universe, their 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 worldview, or whatever, is like has that fifty states of the United States being such a overly. <laughs> Uh, oversized, overly important part of it. That um, you're yeah, absolutely right. It's 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 scary, mm. and it's part of what learning the language is about. Is that it's your first introduction, in some ways, to places outside of yourself. Oh yeah, and it, it's so other than the literature or the movies, right? Yeah, at the at its very basic core, just like it's like a. This is your world. Learn it. <laughs> this is where you live. This is your planet. This is a, and it's it's so big and it's so very whether you're whether you're Japanese whether you're an American in, in Iowa, um, the the world is such a huge diverse place and it's such a disservice to yourself to not avail yourself of that incredible richness of experience and knowledge it's just uh it's just amazing it's just amazing yeah that's very very true and how again getting outside of your own head as seeing things from another person's perspective i just think is invaluable oh it's it's huge and the difference is big and you know in japan is not you know, it's not the end of the end of the world and end of the earth, right? It's it's it, but it's it's different enough in in a whole lot of ways. And you know, to to we talked about our students with the gaijin, um, ex thought inversion, <laughs> mind, whatever it might be. Um, I had a friend. This is like very early on, and you know, I'd go back to to back home to Chicago for vacation and trip and talk to people and you know you get people say oh what's it like in japan Bob? and uh, good friend longer discussion and they're talking we talked and then later on you know, he asked me a bunch of questions which i answered and then you know with other people around he goes hey hey you know listen this guy he lives in japan he says he says he can go the whole day and he might not see another white person the whole day long 
and that to him was i mean it was remarkable i mean he remarked on it that tim was like an unusual thing that you could get up in the morning go to work come home and go to bed and see only japanese people not see any white people this was to him was a shock <laughs> um yeah it's a such a big world. What? Why? 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 Take off the blinders. You know. I mean, go out, taste, experience, learn something. Yeah, yeah. So I think we both agree that there's value, just in and of itself. But I think at the same time, there's also the other value, which comes from, and this is the argument for why you need to learn a language from a native speaker often. So you need to learn to interact with people and deal with things in the classroom from somebody who is from a different culture. That's made for many of our students. We are the first opportunity, chance, scary moment, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> of dealing and interacting with a different way of thinking. And people And people from outside Japan, I think we need to restate that and make that really clear because... Just like my friend who says, like, well, you don't see anybody white? Go, oh, yeah, let's let's reemphasize that. Yes, when we meet our first-year students uh, in their first university English classes, for many of them, we are among, maybe sometimes the very, very first. But among the very few. Among the very few experiences, contact they've had with non-Japanese people ever. And this idea of this foreigner up in front of the class talking to them talking to them communicating with them in a foreign language and then there's that guy sitting on the table oh my god <laughs> my god what is this no and it's no it's, it's such a for so many of them it's such a mind-blowing experience and for many of them they're excited by it i think a lot of oh yeah of yeah but the idea that for a reasonable percentage of our students they have not had interactions with a foreigner. Um, and it's a new thing for them. You talk about educational experiences. That first class is a <laughs> for a lot of them is is huge. I mean, and you're making a huge impression. It's it's and it's something to remember. You know, for teachers, it's something to remember. Don't take that lightly because that is for a lot of these kids. That is a big moment in their life. Yes, and I'm always scaring them, I think. <laughs> well, we all, well, you can't avoid that. Yeah, we're, we're scary. We're scary. Right. And I think there's an understanding, at least amongst a lot of my Japanese colleagues, that they've always said that some of the most important responsibilities that foreign teachers have is exposing Japanese students to different kinds of thinking. <laughs> yes and the guffaw sometimes we're better or worse i'm just thinking to some of my colleagues sorry guys <laughs> it's about different ways of thinking yeah i think overall i'm again pretty lucky that i work with people who are pretty forward thinking mm. and the understanding that students interacting with people from different cultures whether it's american or european or south american is incredibly valuable Oh, for oh. the students. So there's an understanding of that. And I mean, I forget what it's like when uh, I teach students and I have no idea which is their first name or which is their last name. <laughs> and whether or not in their culture you call somebody by their first name or their last name. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and if we forget what it's like to be in that unknown situation. And, you know, yeah. even, for example, getting my students. Here's a question, Tony. So when students submit papers to you, is it last name, comma, first name, or do they write first name, last name? Ah, jeez. What know, do you use? I, you they're all over the map. What do you, but what do you ask for? I don't ask for anything. See, I ask for last. I, I, I think that's wasted energy. Because <laughs> like, they're not going to get it anyway. They're just going to get more and more confused. Okay. We do a little bit. We do a little bit with names, uh, and I teach them about it, and then we move on. Okay. Because I think when I was in college, you always submitted the paper last name, comma, first name, and then student number, right? Um, again, yeah. When I was in college, it was not. It was. It was, it was really early seventies. It was everything was very free. Oh, that's right. You're you're kind of like believe it or not, <laughs> Tony's actually a former hippie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, things are pretty free. It was like right. yeah, it wasn't even a, an issue. It was like if if it was on a piece of paper, that was enough. Right. But it's amazing it wasn't how a performance. Far, you know, even at the end of a, so I give students in some of my classes, they get a quiz every week. And they're taught last name, comma, first name. It's 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 hard enough for I me know. to just get them to write it in Romaji. Okay, that's would... amazing to me too. Is that even at the end of the the semester, a student will submit a you know a quiz paper, <laughs> their test yeah. paper, with their name in Japanese. And yeah. but that's I think just an oversight. The student's forgotten or you know hasn't thought about it. But I get into this funny thing where. Um, Thank God for ATMs. I'm really happy because I don't have to deal with bank people because the strangest thing would always happen to me when I went into bank. You know where I'm going with this one, right? I do. That's amazing. I was at the bank yesterday. Right. And so you have Silva Tony on your bank account, right? On one of them. (laughs) (laughs) One of my bank accounts. Well, we know Tony's doing okay. Anyway, so I have Wiz Charles. And every time – this is – Never failed. Well, they don't know whether to. No, they, they always do this. Or not. No, exactly. They assume that you have not transposed it. So I always get <laughs> Charles Sama, Charles Sama, but my wife always gets Wiz Sama, Wiz Sama. <laughs> you know, it's and if I had done it incorrectly, if I had done Charles Wiz, they would have gotten it right. So right. the idea is they see it and they think that we haven't adjusted, and it's. That, you know, the thinking that this is the important thing that I think the reason teaching a foreign language is so important is that it once somebody realizes that their own thinking can change, they become more open to the fact that other people living in their country have adapted to their conditions and their situation. It's it's kind of a critical moment. Right. Because that's what's happening when they call you Charles Sama. Right is that the person is figuring out that you haven't adjusted to writing your name Japanese style, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. Right. It's, it's, it's one, it's an awareness. And the second, it's, a, it's an attempt to rectify. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a moment. And right? it's like, it's right. A, yeah, it's, it's cool. And it's a really cool moment because once you've started learning the foreign language and you get that moment, as you pointed out, where you realize, whoa, how do I say what I want to say? Or what does it mean that this is this is the really beautiful part is that the other is no longer other. Mm-hmm. Right? The other is not a separate person who is distanced from you. But the person and that culture becomes something that you can now interact with and, you know, kind of connect to. 
And yeah, a wall is broken down, and that's a great way to say it. The wall is broken down between otherness and people are not other anymore. They're not less than you, or they're not ignorant, right? You know the thing where, you know, it used to be that you'd walk up to somebody and you'd say, sumimasen, which is, excuse me, for those of you who are not in Japan, and then they go, oh, Nihongo wa jōzu, ne? <laughs> and which just means... Which, which is, that is the first word you learn when you get off the plane, by the way. <laughs> right, and the assumption that just because you could speak one word, you spoke Japanese well. Um, and that's been changing, too. But there's no question that if anybody wants to argue that there's no value in decreasing our sense of the, you know, someone who's different from us being other, you're talking to somebody, I think, who really needs to widen their perspectives. And that alone is why having language classes or English classes is really valuable. And in a certain way, I'd argue that it has more value for our Japanese students than it is to learn Chinese, which will have many of the same rules of, you know, face, for example, respect sure, for sure. authority, English, seniority. English brings with it a culture that's very, very foreign. Right. And, and it therefore... could be French. It could be German. It could be Italian. Yeah, it doesn't Western matter. Language, yeah. Or even a South American language, right? Whatever that would be, I guess, you know, if you're looking at more older languages. But right, you know, learning a language so that's like for us learning japanese whereas you pointed out all the honorifics and having to adjust your language for who you're talking to under what situation makes you more aware of the world and it's just valuable it's just and i think i think we've made our case i think we're yes and i just want to again emphasize that i think that we have to make the case also for everyone taking more classes in the sciences and for people who are engineers and in the sciences taking more classes in the humanities. Hmm. I think we have to, interdisciplinary. We really have to get people to understand things, you know, especially, and by the way, I also want to make another case for that. We have to teach more history. We have to teach more history. And the reason I mentioned that is um, in my, my spare time, I've been reading a, the, a biography, um, Lyndon Johnson, um, really interesting and written by I this bet. guy, Carol. I, I think bet. you've heard of it. It's an award-winning uh, biography on him. And the amazing thing was they were talking about the bitterness and the partisan fighting between the Democrats and the Republicans to the point where the Senate could not get anything done. And it's like, okay, so this is not new. <laughs> What's happening, right? And that lack of history. So the bottom line for us, I think... And I'm speaking for you here. Tell me to speak for me. Speak for me, please. <laughs> right? Is the that both of us are saying that the lang learning of a foreign language is just one part of the liberal arts education that I think we both would say is incredibly valuable and actually invaluable now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean that. I mean that goes to our one of you know, our yours and my core beliefs, and one of the reasons why. What's, what's we talk, We <laughs> talked about with the liberal arts education. But uh, to what, what education is, the value of education versus training, you know, the liberal arts education. Um, and we talked before about why we teach um, specifically English a few weeks ago or months ago. Um, but this, too, is also why both of us think it's what we do is important. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a small piece of that. But uh, no, true belief that it is important. And... Um, we didn't get too much into it, but also why it's specifically 
and particularly important in Japan at this particular time. Um, for the good of um, our students, for the good of Japan, for the good of the world. Um, yeah, sum up. Yeah, it is important, I think. I would agree. I would agree. And that one of the reasons I'm still able to teach is that I feel that I offer my students some exposure to ideas and attitudes that they might not have from, you know, in an ordinary situation and that that's valuable. That yep. maybe, you know, the one student out there is actually listening to me and is affected by what I have to say. But it's interesting. I do think that what we really have argued for, both of us, is a liberal arts education. That the language is just, learning the language is one part of that. But teaching yeah, it, the language... It, 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 a critical part of it, but just a part of yeah, it. Yeah, and again, and we're not saying that this is just for Japan either. I think both of us agree that we have to really emphasize foreign languages in the United States oh, again. Boy, yeah. yeah, we need to widen people's horizons. <laughs> you know, so, uh, But you're going back to the States, aren't you, very soon? I am. Yeah. That's right, you're going to have time. And you're going to do the vacation the way you described it before, but not exactly, right? I'm going to be working. You're going to be working. Okay. And that means that... So we're taking a little break. That's where we were heading. That's where I was heading with that. Yeah. We're taking a break. About two weeks off? Um, well, One we month? Well, you put things up two every two weeks. So the, um, um, we're this podcast is uh, released uh, on uh, August 17th. So there will be no podcast on the 31st. And our next podcast will be then... September something 7th 14th i think what around the middle of, of september is good okay so let's uh, make it a 31st a to about vacation. the 14th so we're going to miss one full episode one episode and our next uh, podcast will be september 14th and by then we'll probably be moaning about all the grading we just finished <laughs> well hopefully i'll have forgotten it by then well, i think it's all due way before that anyhow so mm. we have to get that done and i'm not going anywhere so I'll and be uh, I'll be in that day. I will be in Chicago. So uh, I'll be able to tell you what things are like there. And then proof of the wonders of technology, right? Do you remember yeah. what it used to be that to make a phone call from like Japan oh, to America I do. was like I 360 yen a minute or something? I do. I do. I used to run down to the train station to look for the green phone, with your my with phone the... card. And <laughs> then when it started chunking away, just learn to speak really, really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> And now we don't have to do that any longer. No, we don't. Okay. All righty. So uh, we're Two Teachers Talking, twoteacherstalking.com, twoteacherstalking at gmail.com, on iTunes, as you probably know, Two Teachers Talking, and Skype. I think that's it. (laughs) Same, same. Same, same. So this is same old here. Stay cool, folks. Yeah, it's... Here in Japan, it is miserable. It is like a sauna. I think we hit about 94 degrees the other day. Or or more. And 80%, 85% humidity. Unbelievable. It's it's just bad. It's not good. It's not good. But anyway, I'm going to try to stay cool. It's better where you are. Okay. So, Tony, you be well. This is Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. Two teachers talking. And that's a wrap.